This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportstalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, welcome in, everybody. It is Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on a Friday night. Typically, we come to you ready to rock and roll with uh, with a song in our heart and a smile on our face, but it's hard to do that today. It's hard to do that because of the news that came out about an hour ago, came out of Furman that Bryce Stanfield has passed away. Defensive end for the Paladins who suffered a medical episode during a workout earlier in the week and passed away this afternoon and our condolences go out to all the Furman family and the the family of of the young man all Furman fans this is Chris Bergen's with us and uh, boy you just it just takes the wind right out of you it's a gut punch for and we don't even know the young man but uh to hear about uh, a person like this gone in the prime of life a, an athlete and all of that, an excellent student, uh, it, it just breaks your heart. It just breaks your heart. You know, the way, there's no words to describe this. I can't imagine what the family is going through. And my heart just goes out to them. And Phil, you're right. Even though we didn't know who he was, he's. I, I feel like he's part of our family here in the state of South Carolina. He's a football player in our state, was on a really, really good football team, appeared several ball games for Furman. I think he may have played in every one of them and was a, a, a one of the stalwarts on their defense. And just to, basically going through winter conditioning and to get the news that he, he was in a medical emergency earlier in the week and then passed away today is just uh, so sad, yeah. so heartbreaking. So our thoughts will be with Furman with Coach Hendricks, the entire program as we go through tonight's show and moving forward. And, again, Bryce Stanfield uh, passing away today at the age of 22. Here is more from Furman. Uh, He was 21. He would have been 22 in September. We are heartbroken beyond measure with Bryce's sudden passing and ask that everyone first and foremost lift up his parents, Fred and Terry, Stanfield and their family in prayer on this day and in days ahead, said Clay Hendricks. There are so many more who are really hurting, namely Bryce's teammates, coaches, and staff, classmates, friends, the entire Furman community and beyond. Bryce was an outstanding young man and an equally fine student, football player, and friend. He was so much a part of who we are as a program and school and he was pivotal in our success on the football field and through giving of his time and outreach to our community in every sense. He was the best representative we could have. His passing is one of the most difficult things Furman football has ever encountered, but our faith and so many wonderful memories Bryce provided us will help sustain us all in the days ahead. And that is the quote from Clay Hendricks. So there's really nothing else to say. Just very, very sad about the news and our thoughts and prayers and everything else goes out to Furman and to the Stanfield family. Um, And we'll move on. You know, we'll 
We'll soldier on through here. We're we're all sad. I'm sure the listeners are sad. Whether you're a, I mean, I don't even I'm not even going to say whether you're a Furman fan or not. It it doesn't matter. We're all right, right. We're all mm-hmm. sad about uh, this, and uh, and just hate to hear it. Just hate to hear it. Anyway, um, hate to lead the show with that, but it was it's too important not to pay attention to. So, welcome back, Chris, from your trip down to the Bayou. How was it? Yes, tough, uh, tough loss the other night. Played much better. Coastal actually knocked down some three-point field goals. We had talked about the uh, three-point shooting had been a major, major stumbling block for CCU throughout Sunbelt play, hit 11. It was the uh, second most they have made all season. Had to go back to the Winthrop game back in December when they knocked down 12 in that contest. So, it kept them in the game, and they played well enough to win, just didn't make enough uh, defensive stops down the stretch, and and uh, Louisiana Monroe had a kid go off for, I think it was 30. So uh, that didn't help matters. But a much better performance by CCU, but still another loss. And we got back uh, into Myrtle Beach, Conway, about 6 o'clock yesterday evening. I got back here about 8, and it just occurred to me that this is the first time I've been back in the Bergie Palace on Sports Talk in two weeks. Wow. <laughs> I've done the show, but it's been mostly, I feel like Mike Morgan, who you guys chatted with last night, I feel like I've been on the move a good bit too. But, yeah, first time I've been back here in the uh, Bergie Palace studios since last Monday. Well, he Not is this past Monday, the he, one before. He is Morgan on the move, and you are crisscrossing the country. That's hard to say. I like it. Crisscrossing. Like You're crisscrossing mm-hmm. the country. All right. Try, phone number 888 uh, we'll get to calls in a moment. Uh, lines are already lining up, so stand by. A couple of things I want to talk about before we get into the phone calls. Uh, of course, last night we had the news that came down that Justin Stepp had accepted the job as wide receivers coach at the University of Illinois. So there's an opening now for a tight ends coach at South Carolina. And as you look at it, you know, you try to evaluate the moves that Shane Beamer made that led to this, it was a domino effect. You lose Jody Wright, your tight ends coach, to a head coaching job. So you decide to hire a tight ends offensive coordinator coach from Texas A&M, a veteran coach with a lot of experience and a great reputation, but you make him your wide receivers coach and you move Justin Stepp to tight end. Now, Justin Stepp is a wide receivers coach. It's all he's ever been, from Fort Mill High School to Appalachian State to SMU, to Arkansas, to South Carolina. That's all he's been. That's what he wants to be. And we said at the time that this all came down, you might recall, we wondered if he would accept being a tight ends coach. He wanted to stay in state, being a pillion kid, families here and all that. It's a great it's a great feel for him. But I think in the back of his mind, the desire to remain a wide receivers coach And he is an excellent wide receivers coach. I mean, just look at the receivers he developed at South Carolina during his time. Look at the receivers he developed at SMU and at Arkansas. I mean, he has been a he's been a part of some really good wide receivers last six or seven years. So there's no questioning about his ability to develop, and he's a very good, hard nosed, get after it recruiter. So he's the complete package there. But Shane Beamer rolled the dice here a little bit, figuring that James Coley would be an upgrade for him in some way. And if if it meant sacrificing Justin Stepp to make that happen, he was willing to take that step. Chris? 
I, I guess so, Phil. It, it's mind-boggling to me that you would not have discussed this with Justin Steph. It was almost like you pointed out he was going to get James Coley regardless and then see what happened. And clearly, Coach Steph did not want to coach tight ends. I mean, it's fairly obvious if you leave South Carolina to go to Illinois, it's not like that's a major step up. Um, it's a lateral move at best, if not a step down to go to Illinois. We're not talking about them busting down the doors of the Big Ten. Hmm. And so, uh, obvious, he had no interest whatsoever in coaching tight ends. I'm just surprised that Coach Beamer, maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't care. Maybe he felt like Coley was a, a critical aspect to bring in and turn the program back around, that he had to have him come heck or high water. And maybe at the, at the you know, behest of, of losing someone that's been on your staff for a while and somebody who's as loyal to South Carolina and our, not just the university, but our state, as Justin Stepp is. I, this one surprised me. It really did. But, uh, you know, when the move came down that he was going to tight ends and we wondered if he would be able to accept it, clearly he did not want to deal with that. And so he's moved on and we wish him well. A couple of other quick things. Then your phone calls, 888-898-2525. Former USC quarterback Zeb Noland is now going to be the quarterback's coach at Murray State. So Zeb Nolan, who wanted to be a coach before he went back to being a quarterback, <laughs> now he's going to be a coach, a real coach, a full-time coach, quarterbacking, uh, co- uh, coaching quarterbacks at Murray State under Jody Wright. So good move for him. Of course, nationally. And he's out of eligibility, right? Yeah. I mean, he, he won't have to step right. back in and, and try and fill in at Murray State. I think correct? he's done. He's, he's done. Okay. I think he's done. Uh, nationally, the big news, this shocked the college football world. Chip Kelly stepping down at UCLA to become the OC at Ohio State. Now, that is definitely not a step up or lateral mm-hmm. in terms of position. I'm sure the money is still going to be good, but, you know, Ohio State's going all in to win a national championship. I mean, they're bringing in big-time transfers. They're changing up their staff. They're going to be paying Chip Kelly a ton of money, I would think. Uh, of course, the this OC job came open because Bill O'Brien, who was just named the OC a little while ago at Ohio State, took the job as the head coach at Boston College. So I see why the players have no qualms about transferring because right. coaches have no qualms about transferring. So Chip Kelly is going to have a lot of tools. Think about the tools he'll have to work with there at Ohio State. That offense should be dynamic. There's nothing wrong with Chip Kelly as a coach or as an offensive coordinator. He did not have a great record at UCLA. I think he was one game over 500. So he really didn't get it done there in terms of wins and losses. So, uh, and they, you know, it, a lot of people are surprised he was still the head coach at this point in time. Right. Um, but what about those kids that signed with UCLA? Now they're free. UCLA, every player at UCLA now has a 30 day window to enter the uh, portal, John, and, and move on if they so choose. So we'll see what, what happens there. And what kind of dominoes, Phil, will that have? What kind of an effect is that going to have in the coaching ranks? Because more than likely there's going to be another position, head coaching position that opens up when UCLA fills theirs. So, I mean, how long are we going to roll into? Do we get into the middle of spring practice in most places and some schools are still looking for a head coach? Yeah, unless they promote from within. They could go that route, promote from within and do an interim coach. A couple of other things, 94 feet WBB, which covers women's basketball, reported that Dawn Staley has confirmed that South Carolina UConn series will continue and next season's game will be back in Columbia because the Gamecocks went on the road twice the last two years. 
So that's good news. Women's mm-hmm. basketball, great Absolutely. series. Of course, they're going to play Sunday in Columbia. Game sold out. Also, the Gamecocks announced the Georgia women's game as a sellout. Latest bracketology from Lenardi. Gamecocks a number five seed against McNeese State in Spo- Spokane. Spokane, Spokane, Spokane. It's Spokane. Spokane. Spoken like a real Washingtonian. Spokane, Washington, yep. And Clemson, a number seven seed against Florida in Omaha. So we can go out yeah. there and cover that and just stay there and wait <laughs> for the College World Series. Just, well, you are banking on our state to do that. We'll, I, I hope you'd be right. I mean, let's roll the dice and go all in. Yeah. But, we'll just rent a house. And, it's been and, a while. And stay yeah. there, you know. Uh, and one more thing, G.G. Jackson, you saw what he did last night. I did. And when on you start top getting of that, mentioned in the, in the names of guys like Kobe Bryant, of things that have been accomplished in the NBA, you're in pretty good company. On top of that, he has, this is according to Woj, agreed on a four-year contract, three guaranteed seasons. Played one season at South Carolina, 45th overall pick last June, and signed him to a two-way deal. So now... He gets a four-year contract, three years guaranteed with the Grizz. How about that? And South Carolina can count him. They can count him. He played there for a year. They can count him sure. as, an, as an NBA product of theirs. And Lamont Paris can out. say, look what I did. I put this guy <laughs> in the NBA. Well, it probably worked out well for both parties. I mean, the Gamecocks clearly uh, have been able to capitalize maybe somewhat on having Gigi in the fold last year, and he certainly turned one year in college into uh, we hope is going to be a long-lasting NBA career. But the Gamecocks don't look any worse for wear, having lost him. They're a much better team. Maybe not. they don't have the one-star player like they did last year with him, but they mm-hmm. are a much better team this year. So I think we've got both ends of the deal that come out smelling like roses on both sides. No question about it. Okay, let's get to some phone calls. Phone number 888-898-2525. We'll talk about what's coming up this weekend in college basketball. Of course, the Super Bowl, if you want to give us your Super Bowl pick as well. I'm riding with the Chiefs. Yeah, me too. Riding with the Chiefs with this one. No particular reason. I just think. I just take my homes over um, uh, over what's his face with the 49ers. Purdy. Yeah, I take. Well, and, I don't and, think. And, again, I hold a grudge here because I really think the Packers should be in the Super Bowl. That, that kind of impacts my decision-making process here. Well, the Chiefs have been terrific since that they laid an egg on Monday Night Football against the Raiders on Christmas night. They've been great ever since. And I just don't see San Francisco, unless they fix their defense in two weeks, I don't see them stopping Pacheco in the ground game of, of Kansas City. Mm. I think they'll rush for well over 100 yards, and, and you add that to what Mahomes can do. I, I just don't know how San Francisco is going to be able to keep up with these guys. My fear is this is going to be a Cowboys or 49ers you know, Super Bowl from years ago where they blew out the AFC team. I'm afraid we might see that on Sunday. I hope not. You know, Most of the games here of late Super Bowls have been fairly competitive, which has been fun to watch. I, I fear we may be in for one that's going to be a snoozer into the fourth quarter. These teams have played regular season 14 times. They're 7-7 all time against Let's one another. That so, kind of game, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's razor thin between the two of them. All right, to the phones we go. Appreciate the uh, patience. Ray in Elgin, good evening and welcome into Sports Talk on a Friday night. Good to have you with us. Hey, gentlemen. Hey, uh, yeah, thanks for taking the call Kind of want to say a, a few things, kind of kind of be all over the place here. But, yeah, G.G. Jackson, how about that, guys? I tell you, you know, it was a good thing he came here 
for his first year instead of going straight to the G League because he got to play in front of, you know, pretty good-sized crowds. He had to deal with a lot of pressure. You know, we got to remember the kid had just he was he was he was 17 when they started the season, so you know he was an early 18 year old, you can say. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of season was over with, and you know he, he grew up a lot of maturity. I think Coach Paris and I think uh, Coach uh, uh, Coach Kerry Rich. I think they really helped mold that kid, and I think one day he'll look back and realize what a special year that was to get him prepared to where he is today. But man, you think where that team can be for the future is, you know, Morant, Morant gets back and everything like that. I mean, they, heck, they may be one of the teams, you know, in the future that could be cutting down nets and stuff like that. But uh wanted to talk a little bit about that. And also I just want to talk a little bit about uh, uh, Brad Brown, the, the coach at Clemson, Brownell, Brown, Brown Brad Brownell. Yeah, you got it. You know, they want to consider giving him a lifetime contract. And I'll tell you what, Phil, Clemson at, at Chapel Hill, UNC, when they like to go for 60? They were until 2020. There. They had never won in Chapel Hill until 2020. And, and, and Brownells has, has, has won two games at Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's impressive. I, I really do, and I think he's done a he's done a, a really nice job there. I I, I got to give him kudos for what he's done there, you know, in the ACC. And also, just want to talk a little bit about uh, you know I'm a Gamecock fan about you know what's going on with our coaching staff there with uh, you know with Steph. Uh, Moving on, and I, and I can never understand why he was basically. I'm, I'm gonna say he was demoted when they put him to tight end, and now they want to bring the other guy in, the tight end coach. I mean, he was known as a great recruiter, great developer. I mean, when he left Arkansas, their fans they they were really they were not happy because because he was a great recruiter and all that. And and the kid was right for the kid. I mean, I'm an older guy because mm-hmm. he was from right here. I mean, Justin Stepp was from right here. And then you got to look back, uh, Phil, at uh, – oh, God, the guy that threw the fade. Uh, Eric oh, Cameron. He, he was, he, Eric Cameron. Cameron. Good, yeah. Lance. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Yeah, I mean, he could have stayed at uh, Hammond Academy and, and come close to setting national records. And, he, you know, he decided to go to, you know, coach at his university tight ends. And with all his – good, Lance, all his contacts and all that throughout the state. And I don't know what happened there. And I'm sure he's doing a great job at that private school up in Nashville. But this was his hometown and his home school. And I just don't – two guys like that. And when they were both, especially when Steph was up there, when he accepted that job, you were probably there, you were probably there, Phil, but he had tears in his eyes. He was so happy to be here. Mm. And I just I just don't understand what's going on over there. But anyway, hey, guys, thanks for letting me rant. All right, thank you very much. Yeah, again, I think it's, um, I think it's a questionable move that Shane Beamer has made here. Now, look, James Coley brings a lot of really good credentials, Chris, with him from his coaching background. OCs at big-time sure. places. They say he's an excellent recruiter. He was the tight ends coach. I I mean, I don't know what went into it. It seems to me that you could have made him your tight ends coach and whatever other title you want to give him and kept step at wide receiver. I don't know what was going on in the background that – led Beamer to bring in Coley as the wide receivers coach and then move step over. Unless Coley only wanted to be wide receivers coach, the only way he would come would be to be wide receivers coach. I don't know how all that worked in there. But I think that um, whoever he hires as tight ends coach, and we'll wait and see who that is. I mean, tight end, tight end coaches are sort of, I don't want to put them in this category, Chris, but they're kind of throwaway coaches, would you say? I mean, it's a position that 
has over the year. Well, maybe I'm wrong about that. I guess maybe that position, as I think about it, has grown a little bit more important as the athletes have changed it tight end. Maybe that position has become a little more important. Yeah. But it seems to me like as far as the position coaches go, the tight end coach is sort of that forgotten guy. Um, and and I think that um, we'll see who he brings in as tight ends coach. And if this guy is um, as good in recruiting and good as develop, in development as Steph was at his position, then it'll be a wash for him. But sure. only time will tell for that. Well, and I'm just still taken aback at the uh, the amount of turnover that the Gamecocks coaching staff has had on the offensive side of the football. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but when you came out of that season, especially the way the defense, now it did play a little bit better down the stretch, but I think part of it was, you know, a situation where uh, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words to figure out why they've had so much turnover offensively and not a soul defensively. Not saying they should have made a move defensively. I'm just, you would have thought common knowledge would have said and, and sort of common sense would have told you if they were going to make some changes, it would have been on the defensive side of the ball. But the, the amount of turnover they've had offensively, I, I think is, if you're a Gamecock fan, a little concerning well, that the staff has almost completely flipped from the end of the season. Well, think about this. Um, he fired Monterio Hardesty. Mm-hmm. And I think you can make an argument there because the running game sure. had regressed in all three years in terms of yardage produced so he did that Jody Wright got a head coaching job so you can't blame him and then that created the and of course uh, prior to that Lonnie Teasley replaced coach Atkins who basically retired as a regular coach Mm -hmm. for some health reasons he's still around the program but he's just not coaching and then you take you make the move to hire James Coley and then you move step over to tight end and that move is what's created this latest move because Obviously, Justin Stepp was not satisfied just being the tight ends coach at South Carolina. He wanted to continue coaching wide receivers, which has been his thing and has been his strength. So he wasn't – obviously, the the uncomfortable nature of being tight ends coach and working at that position trumped the comfortable part of living at home, living in South Carolina and being at South Carolina. You know, even though he's not a USC grad, you know, he's from Pillion. And this was the home state school, even though he was a GA at Clemson at one time. So I guess not being able to coach wide receivers was too much for him to to handle. All right, back to the phones, 888-898-2525 to the upstate in Greenville. Ron, welcome to Sports Talk on a Friday. How are you? I'm doing good, Phil. How are you doing? We're doing fine, sir. Listen, I know it was a sad, sad event at Furman today. Mm. But mm. one thing I really appreciated is the uh, president of the university went over to Bon Secure today, and uh, all the football players went over there, and they let them in the room, mm. and they gave him a diploma for graduating. Oh, my. And they said that's what, said what he really wanted to do was graduate from Furman. And so he got his wish today a couple hours before he died. Oh my! Wow, that's awesome. I mean, that's awesome. Yep. What a what a tribute and and what a uh, what an honor by Furman to do something like that. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. I just want to tell you that. Let me ask you one question. I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. The Gamecock softball team. Who do they play today? 
Gamecock softball team. Yes, they opened their season today, didn't they? And they opened up against. Um, they opened up against. Uh, give me a second here. Um, yeah, that's equestrian. So you got UNC all these sports going on. Yeah. UNC Greensboro. Yeah, softball. Where are you at, softball? UNC Greensboro. Okay, I hear you. UNC Greensboro. I'm trying to find a score. They're <laughs> they one won and zero. Eight to four. They won eight to four. Am I an echo or what am I? <laughs> They won eight to four. I was trying to help. I'm trying, trying to, to find help. it here, wow. and now they're playing. Okay. They're playing Jacksonville State as we speak. First, okay. first lob was it? I'm sorry. First pitch was at five thirty. <laughs> I'm sorry. This isn't beer league softball. This is no. It is not. This is coming at you yeah. ninety yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> That's, is that a tournament or just two teams playing? That's the Carolina Classic. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I appreciate it. Thank you. We are the home of softball. Sports talk. We are the home of softball. Is there anything Furman does not do? Virginia is in this tournament. Is there anything Furman does not do that it's not first class? I mean, everything they do at that university is first class. That's an outstanding move on their part. Appreciate Ron sharing that with us. Be right back. Tell me about it. All right, welcome back, everybody. It is Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network across the state of South Carolina. Got to give a shout-out to the big dog down in the uh, Allendale-Hampton area. Rick Gooding spoke with him this afternoon, catching up with one of our station owners. What a great guy. What a great morning host. Dominates the airwaves on the big dog in Hampton and Allendale counties down there. So proud to have him part of the Sports Talk family, they've been with us from, like, the very start of Sports Talk going back over 40 years. So appreciate his commitment to local radio and keeping local radio thumping down there in that part of South Carolina. Uh, A couple of other quick uh, things to talk about. Um, We're going to see more and more in this, ladies and gentlemen. Just prepare yourself. Announce today an NFL playoff game next season, another is going to be on Amazon Prime this time. You will have to pay to stream it if you don't already have the service, just like this past year on Peacock, and more and more and that's going to happen. And the other thing to keep an eye on that's going to impact everybody, this uh, apparent coalition among the big media companies, ESPN, Disney, or Disney owns ESPN, so, but, you know, the more familiar name, but just say Disney and Fox and, who is it, Warner Brothers, all those people, they're coming together trying to create one streaming service, working together. And this is not going over well, initial reaction, with the leagues out there because they fear that this is going to cut competition and thus there won't be a, a battle for rights fees now moving forward. What do you think about that? Will that end up in court somewhere? Yeah, I think that actually could be a lawsuit because you're you're talking about restriction of trade and getting a monopoly, and those are supposed to be illegal in the United States. I think that actually could end up in court, but I see the league's point because if you've got everything under one umbrella and you only have one television conglomerate to deal with, they can set the market rate, and we're going to pay you guys 10 bucks a game. Yeah. You don't like it? Oh, that's fine. 
we'll just not put your games on TV. Yeah. I mean, you know, they, they can set the rate and these 51, 52, 75 million dollar checks these leagues are cutting for their, their schools, uh, that may go away. If, if this continues, that that's going to be an interesting battlefield. I think you're right. That's probably going to end up somewhere in legalese before all is said and done. I want to get your thoughts on this, too. We touched on it some last night, but now i got a little more time to talk about it. So, and this is where I also think you've got the monopoly issue coming into play here where you got one major media outlet that dominates the landscape in terms of its contracts with the leagues and the schools and with the – with the personalities, and that, of course, is ESPN. So the father of Dylan Rayola, that quarterback who was originally committed to, uh, I think he was originally committed to Ohio State, then he committed to Georgia, and uh, he ends up going to Nebraska, where his uncle is a, uh, I think it's his uncle who's a, a offensive line coach there. And his father said on a broadcast on Wednesday on signing day that Kirk Herbstreet called him and encouraged that move back when it was happening, that Herbstreet called the father. They know each other. Herbstreet called the father and, according to the father now, said things about uh, going to Nebraska and becoming the man and helping get restored Nebraska, the great program there, and it would be a good move for him to flip from Georgia to uh, Nebraska. And, of course, that became public uh, He well, because the father said <laughs> it publicly dead, over yeah. the airways. Yeah. And, 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 of course, Georgia people went, went insane over this kind of stuff. Not that Georgia needs another you know, five-star quarterback. But where do you go if you're in that kind of situation and you have to CYA? Of course, you go to Paul Feinbaum's show. Where is that located? On ESPN, where you're going to get nothing but softball questions. You're not going to be challenged, and you're going to have a chance to do your mea cuppa. And that's what he did uh, yesterday where he, he tried to – he gave his so-called side of the story. Um, and now, listen, I guess to be fair, you got a he said, he said situation here. Right. But why would Riola's father go out and say something and just make it up out of whole cloth to get Herb Street in any kind of hot water? with? He, why would he even consider doing something like that? So in my opinion – I give the benefit of the doubt to the father here, and I see Herbstreet, as he's done on other occasions where he has said things uh, and gotten himself kind of caught in the middle with schools that he covers via his ESPN work, uh, tries to to backpedal. And so he goes on, of course, the ever-friendly Feinbaum show, friendly to anything related to the SEC. You're never going to have anything there that's going to be counter to what the SEC is trying to accomplish and he goes on there, and he can give a side of his story. And, of course, it's accepted as the gospel. So I just think it's, again, all that to me sort of the part of the the ownership of the college sports scene and a place to go where you can make your recovery when you've done something stupid, as apparently he did in this case. Well, first of all, Kirk Herbstreet should not be talking to any recruits unless he is the father of said recruits or an uh, uncle of said recruit or the you know grandfather of said recruit. Outside of family members, Kirk Herbstreet, because of his influence, you're right, Phil, should not talk to recruits. It's pretty simple. Uh, hey, go wherever you feel comfortable. 
and leave it at that. He should not have, if indeed he said something like the dad said he did so. But I will say this on, on the blowback on the other side from Herb Street's perspective, I, I do see a possibility that maybe it got blown out of proportion because, it, as you pointed out, ESPN controls the world. He works for ESPN, and ESPN is about, about to bring the entire SEC contract underneath their umbrella. Why in the world would Herb Street steer a kid away from an SEC team to a you know, Big Ten team? You would think they would do everything they possibly could to continue to bolster SEC teams and make them better. So I, I think I can see both sides of the coin. But from Herb Street's journalistic integrity, if there is such a thing at ESPN, mm. he should never, ever talk to a recruit unless he is a family member. Mm. Where is opinion. Herb Street's roots? Ohio State in that, the Big Ten. That's in what league? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, you know, he can, he can work it both ways. You know, he's working right. for no the doubt. SEC. He's got Big Ten roots. He just shouldn't be involved, period. He just shouldn't be involved, period. And it's not the first time, apparently. I read some other stories that came out after this. But, again, I just love the way they, whenever uh, uh, somebody in the SEC world has to defend themselves, you know, they, they, they go to the Feinbaum show where they know they can get cover. I mean, did anybody challenge him? Did Feinbaum ask him, well, well Kirk, why did the father say this? Where would this information, why would he put that out there if it didn't happen? Did anybody even challenge? I didn't see the interview. I'm just right. guessing to myself here. I'm just, I doubt that that line of questioning occurred. So it's a good place to go to get cover and to be able to try to uh, redefine yourself in a, in a tough situation like that. All right, uh, back to the phones we go. 888, we got all this stuff going on. 888-898-2525. Oh, coming up, we're going to hear from, one of the new USC running backs I talked to yesterday, Oscar Attaway. And uh, good talker, mature guy, interesting individual. Going to hear from him coming up. As we go to um, – we're going to go to Gamecock Larry. Gamecock Larry, you are up next on Sports Talk. Welcome in. Good afternoon, Mr. Phil. Hey. Boy, I'll tell you what. Boys, Brad Brownell needs a lifetime contract. They're on a winning streak at North Carolina. Winning streak of two out of 60. Boy, they, oh, yeah. One, two out of 60. Two out of 62. That old man on a winning streak. But I'm going to tell you about the Lady Gamecock. Mm-hmm. Lady Gamecocks, nine players on the team, nine. And they, man, they went out there last night, and they made it look so easy. I'll tell you what, and they got Connecticut coming into town. I'm going to say right now, they're going to win by at least 13. They will win by at least 13. Uh, that's about all I got to say, but I just wanted to give old no, I ain't gonna give no I ain't gonna give Clemson nothing, but I will say two uh one in the street, two out of sixty two. I love all y'all. Go game cop. All right, Larry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's about what you've done lately and yeah. Clemson basketball, the last time they played in Chapel Hill. The last time, they won. Okay? That's all they care about. Now they want to go up to Syracuse and, and keep it going. But I will say this. 
going back I don't know how many weeks, Chris, Gamecock Larry is undefeated when it comes to talking about his Gamecocks. <laughs> He's right. He has been dead on. I saw a fascinating tweet from Don Staley about holding serve between the men and the women, and that's basically what they've been doing, going back and forth, trading wins after wins. There's, there's some peer pressure within that athletic department. Yep. When trouble comes like the accidents do, we all get sick and the bills pile too. There's only one number that can help see you through. And if you're healthy, here's what you should do. Call 605-7905. That's the number that you need to know. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. What's a deductible, you say? That's the price you have to pay before the insurance will say we'll help you. They keep that number out of reach because they know that you won't reach that number because they know you're healthy. 605-7905. Zero dollar deductible. 605-7905. 727 is the area code. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant for Tsunami Bar Sports, our inventor, David Abernathy, has always said Tsunami Bar technology allows us to take the training to the grass. Now I know through my sport of golf that natural agility can be converted to athletic ability. And why is this, Tsunami Robbie? Transferring the training to the grass. This may be the most undervalued characteristic of the Tsunami Flexible Bar technology. The Tsunami Bar action loads and unloads at the concentric and eccentric transition points. This is what we call reversal forces. And the Tsunami Bar is the only bar and training device that I know of that can train these reversal forces adequately at speed. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device, whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Going to get a lot of rain this weekend, but the sunshine will be back in South Carolina. And that means, of course, you're thinking about your summer vacation, your spring vacation. 
And that means you should call Jimmy Smith at James Smith Real Estate down at Pauley's Island. Set up an appointment and go by and see Jimmy in his beautiful office, and he'll show you his um, sports memorabilia. He's got sports memorabilia like it's nobody else's business. I mean, great stuff. His phone number is 843-237-4246, online at Pauley's Vacation Rentals. Dot com and uh, Jimmy and the staff can set you up in a beautiful house or condo. Find something that fits your needs in terms of your budget or the uh, the family size. You know, you might need something that ha- that takes care of sixteen people. You know, they can find a house for you that'll handle sixteen or twenty. Or if you just need something for uh, a couple of folks, he can he can do that as well. So just give them a call eight four three two three seven forty two forty six. And if that doesn't work. You can call Chris, and he'll be happy to rent you his house down in Georgetown for the Absolutely. summer. Absolutely. Would, would you like Going to have some? thousand dollars a day right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can sleep how many in there? Uh, let's see. Two, four, six. About seven. That's not bad. No, it's not bad. How far are you off of Front Street? Uh, three blocks, I believe. Yeah? Yep. Are you near Independent Seafood? Yes, I think we're actually on, we may actually be, I'm trying to remember if Meeting Street or High Market, which uh, our, our house actually sits at the corner of those two streets, and I'm trying to think if it actually, one of those streets is where Independent Seafood is. Now, you just so, told yeah, the entire state where your house is in Georgetown. Go look so. at it. Yep, go look at so it. So now people know when you're in Sardis that you're they can come visit they can go to your Georgetown house and uh, steal you blind <laughs> I was gonna say you got any valuables there <laughs> we've got a, a, a Pac-Man machine in there old school 80s arcade game nice so please nice. leave that alone you, you can have the rest of the stuff just leave that all right yesterday South Carolina made available all their transfers those that had enrolled at midterm including Oscar Attaway who's coming from North Texas, the Mean Green, had a chance to talk with him about coming to South Carolina. How's the transition been? How accustomed have you gotten to living over here? I've been accustomed to it a lot, man. My dad told me all about the weather here and about how it's always good. It's not ba- it's not very bad like it is in Arkansas. You know, I got here January 1st, and uh, I stayed in my apartment. I seen all of the fireworks going off and everything. It was a beautiful, man. I just felt like this was the right spot that I needed to be at. So it's, it's been cool. My 10-hour drive was a nice, smooth, chill 10-hour drive. It really wasn't bumpy. wasn't really wiggly. You know what I mean? It was nice and smooth right down the highway. And I was like, man, this, this is going to be a cool little six, uh, nine months I got here. So it was cool get coming here, man. I th- thank you all for accepting me here. When you made the decision to transfer, you put your name into the NCAA uh, transfer portal, what was it about South Carolina that caught your attention? What was it about you that caught their attention? Uh, the thing that caught my attention about South Carolina is that I put my name in the portal on Wednesday. It was a Wednesday I put my name in the portal, and Thursday I was on a flight to South Carolina. So them wanting me wasn't the question. You know, they wanted me really bad. You know, I was in a portal for eight hours, and I was on a flight to South Carolina in the next not in the ninth hour of it. But um, just wanting to be here, I got here. And on my flight, I was with Raheem. So I sat down, and then Raheem's walking up, and he sat down right beside me. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, like, 
I was like, so they taking two backs, you know, that's what they told me. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, if it's him, then let's let's go tear up the SEC this year. Let's do it. And so got, got here, and, like, one of the main things that they wanted me here for is my leadership and the way that I can run the football, you know, and the way that I can catch the football. I can run, I can catch, and I'm pretty big. So they wanted they wanted something in that and a running back. So I was like, I can do that for you, D-Lo. Let's do it. You call him Raheem or you call him Rocket? I call him Raheem. Uh, sometimes, I, I, sometimes I'll slip up and call him Rocket, but hey, I, I, I call him Raheem most of the time. I'm too, I'm too old to be calling somebody Rocket. Too old. I'm 23. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. But now, running back room got a little more crowded. That's okay with everybody. You're looking forward to the competition. You, you got to look at, look forward to competition. If you really want to thrive in this sport and want to go to the next level, you think that it's crowded here. Wait until you get to the league. You know, when you're in a room with. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, Dow, and like all of those people in one room in the NFL. So now you get here and you got Raheem Sanders, Jorn Howell, uh, DJ make, make, DJ Braswell, Juju, you know what I mean, Bradley Dunn. So, yes, I'm looking forward to the competition because if I, if I wasn't looking forward to the competition, I wouldn't commit here. So, yes, yes, sir, I am. You sound like a Cowboys fan. You know that uh, Rico played at South Carolina. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a Cowboys fan. But, uh, I did. Uh, I, I did see that when he com- when I, when I committed here, somebody told me it was like, oh man, we got a running back plan for the Cowboys. And you know, w- once you're at a different school, you only pay attention to the the players that played for that school in the league. But once I found out that Dow played for South Carolina, I was like, wow, like we really got a lot of couple a lot of players that played that's playing in the league right now from South Carolina. You know, Kashawn Dixon, he playing for Green Bay. They was both in that same game. Like it's crazy. What do you think you'll bring to the running back position? Uh, leadership, you know, just a running back that want to get first downs and touchdowns for his team. Um, experience, you know, I have been playing. I think I'm the oldest guy on the offensive side right now. We got a lot of young guys in the receiver room. Uh, Gage is probably one of the other guys that's kind of elderly like me. <laughs> I wouldn't say elderly, but 2019 class. But uh, other than that, just, just a running back that's going to get first downs and touchdowns for his team, man. You foresee a situation where – they're going to rotate a bunch of running backs throughout games, or do you think they'll go with a guy who's got a hot hand? How do you think they're going to handle the personnel? I have no idea, you know, but if, if, if a player is hot, you can't, you can't sit him on the sideline. So I have no idea what they're going to do in that situation. For those who haven't seen you carry the football, what is your running style? Where do you like to hit it up in the – do you like to hit it up between the tackles? Do you like to take it outside? What do you like to do? I love an in-between tackle play. You know, I'm a duo, I'm a duo lover. I love duo. I love power. I love counter, but um, if if I could compare myself to anybody, I wouldn't compare myself to anybody because I don't want to disrespect anybody's game. You know, I'm a fan of the game. I love the game, so I like watching Christian McCaffrey run the football. I love watching Tony Pollard run the football. I love watching Aaron run the football. Like these guys are are maniacs when it comes down to the running back position. So just watching them run the football, I like to grab anything from each one of their games. You know what I'm saying? The physicality of all of them, the uh, patience from all of them, you know what I mean? So that's, that's that's one of the things that I would say about my game. What was it like playing for one of the coolest names in college football, the Mean Green? It was a blessing, a blessing. It was a blessing. I loved the University of North Texas, and the University of North Texas loved me. When I entered the portal, you know, most guys enter the portal, and a lot of fans is like, oh, boo, you know what I'm saying, you're leaving. A lot of guys, when I entered the portal, if you go back and check Twitter, a lot of them, they were like, man, thank you so much for being here for four years. Thank you so much. For, you know, I'm a UNT alum, you know, I – and I'm thinking through, like, if you cut me, one side I'm going to bleed blood, and the other side I'm going to bleed green. You know what I mean? So, and actually, like, 
you know, one of the main things that I want to do before I leave North Texas was talk to Joe. You know, he doesn't like when people call him Mean Green. You know, his son, his grandson was on the football team. His name is Evan. And me and Evan were pretty cool. And so I used to talk to uh, Mr. Mr. Joe a lot. You know, one time, like two days before I entered the portal, I seen him at the red light. And I was like, yo, yo. And then he was like, what you want out of way? And I was just like, come on now. I know your grandson. You're not that mean. But it was cool, though. It was, it was real fun, man. Playing for the University of North Texas, playing for the Mean Green, it was, it was a blessing, man. I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for that school. So. And you plan to bleed Garnet once uh, you get yourself indoctrinated here in South Carolina. For sure. Once, once, they, once, they, once I get here, well, I'm already here. But I am bleeding a little bit of Garnet already. You know, I've been to a lot of the basketball games, man. We turn it up on, the, on that court, man. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's a great environment, man. Even waving the towels for the sandstorm is even pretty is pretty amazing, actually. All right, the words of Oscar Attaway the third. That guy's great. Saw Mean Joe Green at a stoplight. <laughs> in, He's already uh, got his nil. He's got to do a coke commercial with Mean Joe Green, right? Really? Yeah. As as well spoken as he is. He's going to be a success in whatever he does. But, man, I really enjoyed hearing from him. That was a lot of fun. Well, we, what we I talked about last night, you, and you weren't with us, was like this group, you know, transfers, they're older guys. You know, these are mature fellas, mm-hmm. and they've been through it. They've been through the, the war, so to speak, and uh, they've got experience, and they're looking for a place to play. And uh, I kind of said last night, you know, when all this started happening with the transfer portal, John, and the NIL all hitting us at the same time, I thought, myself you know the sky is falling in college athletics uh and and we are going through a revolution and and we are going through a lot of change more than we should be subjected to at any one time but the transfer situation i think is something that is understandable now um i see why guys transfer from listening to these fellows and they see coaches move and it's like okay well why are we stuck and you are able to move i get i kind of get that now But I do think when we finally get to the point where we have a fresh start with a new league and the players are employees and they're signing contracts, you're going to have to stay where you sign your contract. You're not going to be able just to up and transfer any longer. Agreed. Yeah. But but if they're getting an Aaron Jones clone, Gamecocks have found a good one. Absolutely. All right, top of the hour break, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Friday night, heading into the weekend. Got to talk a little basketball before we get to golf at the bottom of the hour. And uh, we're going to hear from Tim Beck. Got some recruiting for you as well. But we also know it is Super Bowl weekend. And maybe more so than ever, the gambling world is on fire with this Super Bowl weekend because, I mean, there's just gambling opportunities everywhere you look. It's easy to get your hands on apparatus to be able to place a little wager, and you've got all the different kind of bets that you can um, can make on the game, and nobody better to give us some ideas related to that. We welcome in from ParamountSports.com once again, 
Lee Sterling, back on Sports Talk. Been a few weeks. Good to have you back with us. How are you? I'm good, Phil. I'll be. I'll let you know really how I'm doing Sunday night about 9 o'clock. Yeah, how busy are you this particular week? <laughs> oh. uh, it's busy, very busy, but the reason I say that is I've had a couple years. Like This is probably my third or fourth best year as far as picking for my clients. If I lose the national anthem and I lose, which my daughter especially, and I lose the game, I'll literally have people tell me they lost money this year. Mm. Wow. <laughs> Just because people play two, three, five times their normal wager on yeah. the Super Bowl. That's what I was saying. I mean, this is yeah. this is the hot week. And, I mean, it's yeah. become and – it, and look, <clears throat> whether they like it or not, uh, I mean – it's in your. If you're a sports fan, the gambling side of it now is in your face everywhere you turn. You watch any of right. the sports networks, and they're promoting. Oh, so gambling. I was at a game, so yeah. it's legal now in Florida. Right. I was at a hockey game on Tuesday night and a Miami Heat game on Wednesday night. I was with my wife, and I'm like, "Look at all these young kids in their 20s and 30s on their phone placing in-game wagers, and they're not just playing the game and the total." They love player props. So that's what's going on now. And it, it, it's great for sports as long as, obviously, you don't bet a, a more than you can afford yeah. because people want to go to games. They want to stay longer, and they spend more money. So I think it's a win-win for everyone, you know, as long as everyone bets responsibly. Yeah, and I, I believe that <clears throat> the television ratings that we're seeing soaring yeah. It is more about that than it is, uh, you know, anything else. I think you just got millions of new oh. people who are watching because they've got twenty five dollars on the, right. you know, is that wide receiver going to catch a pass in the third quarter? You know, they got twenty five dollars right, and, and right what, on that. What are you going to, you know, now that Florida is the third largest as far as you know uh, population wise state to come on board, California, Texas, come on two three years, look out. I mean. Why do you think they have Wyoming playing Colorado State on Thursday night? Mm. Otherwise, you wouldn't watch the game unless you were betting on it. Absolutely. All right, what yep. you got some prop yep. bets for us? All right. All right, let's go with some player props first. So I think that San Francisco is going to try to run the football early in the game. They do not want to fall behind like they did uh, in their last two games against Green Bay and Detroit. If they do, they're going to be in trouble. So I like Debo Samuel over 13.5 rushing yards. I like Brock Purdy under 247 and a half passing yards. Here's why Kansas City's pass defense. We're talking this is a modern era throwing the football. They not only in 20 games this year have not allowed a 300-yard passer, they haven't allowed a passer to throw for over 260 yards in a game. So Brock Purdy barely got over 250 and 260 in the two playoff games, and that was when his team was trailing, and they were throwing the ball early and often. So we'll go under 247 and a half passing yards, Brock Purdy, over 13 and a half rushing yards, Debo Samuel. For the Chiefs, I like Patrick Mahomes' longest completion under 35 and a half yards. Just don't think he has the receivers to hit on any real big play. And mm-hmm. then um, also there's a team prop for the Chiefs, under five and a half penalties. I think it's a real disciplined team. They just, except for the right tackle, they just don't. They don't commit many penalties. The only guy that scares you is Kadarius Tony. If he gets on the field for more than five plays, they could be in trouble. But other than that, I don't see him playing much. Uh, I like under five and a half penalties for the Chiefs. What you got on the anthem? Yep. So my daughter, I gave her 
the the assignment last Saturday. So I said it's going to be Reba McIntyre. The total is 90 and a half seconds. Now, three of the last five years, it's gone over two minutes. So usually I hear back from her in an hour. She studies it. She's got it. I didn't hear back from her for almost six hours. And then all of a sudden I get a call. She's excited. She's like, I got it. I'm like, oh, you must have had something to do today. Mm -hmm. I've been watching tapes. She said there's 22 YouTube tapes on Reba McIntyre singing the national anthem from 1976 to 2017. And she's like, Dad, I start singing on a D note. In the 80s, she was singing on a C. The 90s, a B, and then starting about 2011 on an A. She's not going to, my daughter says, start on an A and you don't finish on a B or C. She's just comfortable being herself, and she sings it pretty much. She feels the way she always has. She's not going to prolong it and, you know, riff it out just because it's the Super Bowl. She's 68 years old. In fact, there's a tape right now. Someone recently, in the last hour, taped a few seconds of her singing. If that is her and it sounds like her, she's going to speed through this thing. We're going under 90 and a half seconds in the national anthem for Reba McIntyre. <laughs> Okay. That yeah. may have been one of the greatest breakdowns I've ever heard. On really? That's fantastic. I'm going to send it to you, Phil. This is her. So I know her voice, too. Yeah. So That's fantastic. I'm going to send it to you. That's fantastic. Yeah. Great breakdown with Lee Sterling of the National Anthem talking Super Bowl prop bets, Kansas City and San Francisco coming up Sunday night. Lee, how many of the prop bets are surrounding the amount of rushing yards that not just the Chiefs but Isaiah Pacheco can get against what appears to be a relatively porous San Francisco run defense? You know, uh, he's he played really well. I, I I would not go against him, but just, you know, I, I, you don't know what kind of game's going to play out, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some in-game wagering probably with him as far as his rushing yards. So I, I will usually play 8-10 to 10 to start the game. And, like, uh, there was a game the other night, a basketball game. And I bet one side, I'm like, I am on the wrong side I'm going to get out of this, and I'm going to go the other way big, and I did, and and I was able to be successful. So that's what's great about in-game wagering. Uh, As I see the ebb and flow of the game, I can bet it. But uh, there is – I did spot – there's a couple. So Taylor Swift, they have an over-under on how many appearances, how many times they show her during the game. I think they're telling the cameraman, okay, if Travis Kelsey scores a touchdown, show her. Mm. If he makes a huge catch, a third and 15, or a one-handed catch, show Taylor. Other than that, I don't see it. They used to do it with, you know, Peyton Manning. Well, how many times will they show Eli? And they put it up at like one and a half, and everyone would bet the over, and they'd show him just once. I only see them showing her two, three, maybe four times. I'll go under five and a half appearances from her from the start of the game to the end and then there's another one on how on will either kicker hit the uprights or crossbar mm. on a missed field goal or extra point plus 400 they have did you see they have the doink cameras set up <laughs> no i'm, I'm being serious they have yeah, doink that's cameras. great they have them set up on both crossbars on both upright and both uh, both the uprights and both cro- and each crossbar. So, I, I mean, Harrison Buckner puts everything right through the middle. Mm-hmm. If Jack Moody misses a field goal, it's going to be way off. Now, remember, can hit a post and go in, mm-hmm. 
and you still don't win if you you say yes. I'm going to say no. I wagered 525 to win $100. I think it's a gimmick. It should be like 10 to 1. Hmm. Lee, yeah. speaking of that, it, it just occurred to me when you were talking about the prop bets regarding Taylor Swift, when it's something yeah. that the NFL cannot control and the director yeah. for CBS has ultimate control over this, I mean, isn't there a chance in there he could wager on the high side or the low side and make sure that yeah. that bet actually ah, comes through? Good point. Anything can happen, but remember this. There's only usually a limit of $500 on these prop plays, especially, ah. especially the strange ones like that, sometimes 200 bucks. So... You might have some insight, but you're only going to make probably a grand or two. Yeah, but you can tell your wife, you can tell your kids, yeah. you can tell your nephew, hey, we're going to make sure that we go yeah. over, so get yeah. your get your money on the over on that thing. Yeah. Um, okay, we got to go. I know you got to go. Yeah. Folks want to get all your stuff as far as your game picks and yep. other prop bets. Tell them what to do. Well, they want to get the game pick. We've won seven of the last ten Super Bowls, plus – Top 15 prop plays, ParamountSports.com, just $97. Last year was $197. And, and I, we're doing really well in the UFC. We won four of the last five cards. I couldn't come up with five, six, or seven selections this week. I only found three. I'm going to give them away for free. Just go to my website, ParamountSports.com, and in about an hour, we will text them out three free UFC selections. Scroll down on the homepage where it says free pick sign up. Put in your email. We'll send those out to you. Just my way of saying thank you for listening each and every week on Sports Talk. Thank you, my friend. Have a great Super Bowl, and we look forward to talking to you come next football season. Can't come fast enough. Well, I don't know. We'll do March Madness. You forgot about March Madness. Excellent. That's right. My bad. Yeah, the Wednesday before the Madness, we'll we'll hook up again. And we may have some some interest in that this year with our team. That's true. You're basketball school now. That's what it looks like. Basketball (laughs) State. Thank you, buddy. All right. Appreciate you, Lee Sterling. And our Sterling picks tonight. All right. Um, you know, we had signing day on Wednesday, Chris, and Coastal Carolina signed uh, some more folks to go with the folks they signed early on. And Coach Coach Tim Beck met with the media, if you want to lead us into that. Yeah, they actually took advantage of the second signing period, which used to be a national holiday. Well, it should probably be in Conway, signing 18 new players. Now, some of them transfer guys that, that you already knew coming into the fold, but they announced 18 signees. And as Tim Beck met with the media, he talked about, you know, one big reason why he feels like his team was able to bring in some players, as he calls them OKGs, our kind of guys that may help them moving forward. Here's what Tim Beck had to say. Culture is a big word that's thrown around a lot, um, and it's been really big here. And we have a great culture in place. So bringing players in into that culture is important and getting them to mix. It's part of the recruitment, too. We do a really good job as a staff to keep looking for our kind of guys, those OKGs that that we know are going to be able to fit in. And, you know, when you're dealing with 120 players overall, scholarship and, and walk-ons, you know, you have some misses here and there, certainly. But for the most part, it's been really good. And we got to do the best we can in this short amount of time to um, to get them to, to bond together. And that's with the staff and the strength staff with Coach Q and what he's doing down there while we're on the road and then all the coaches now that we're off the road. Your quarterback situation uh, obviously is a lot different than it was last season with some of these new guys coming yeah. in. How do you see that battle playing out over the spring? Yeah, and Travis could talk a little more about it. But, I, you know, I feel like um, I like the group. You know, you got some hungry guys in there. Um, obviously, we'll miss Grayson, right? We'll miss Jared, two veteran guys that 
uh, did a lot for our program, but there's some hunger. And you see that within this football team, guys stepping up, becoming leaders, but, you know, Noah and, and uh, Ethan and you got DJ coming in, you got Blake, you got a lot of, a lot of talent, a lot of talented guys and a lot of guys that are eager to go out and prove what they can do. Obviously, the Hawaii Bowl a month and a half ago, um, a big win for you guys, getting your second ever bowl win here at Coastal Carolina. Uh, do you see any kind of momentum from something like that that happens to give the guys more juice, more energy to go into the spring and coming off a high to end the season? Yeah, no doubt. I think anytime you can end with a, with a W, um, that usually you have a successful season at the end of that because it's either a championship game you win or your bowl game. And, and uh, you carry that momentum into the offseason, and it's been good. It really has been. It's a it's a unique and different feel. You know, there was a lot of veteranness. I was newness. We were all kind of feeling each other out at this time last year. I probably didn't even know all the guys in first names. And it's much different now. All the coaches and keeping people in place and being able to go out there and, and know the guys and get after them. And it's been great. And, and the new guys coming in, fitting in, um, I'm really impressed with them. Kind of leaving me. I guess into my next question, 13 months now on the job here. Uh, what have you learned in your first full plus year now as being a head coach of a program, uh, things that you've uh, kind of taken in? You, you probably don't have enough time, <laughs> right? I mean, all kinds of stuff. I, I continue to learn every day uh, on the job. There's things that come up on the field, off the field, personnel issues. Um, you just keep learning, but uh, I enjoy it. You know, I, I try to continue to, uh, build a great culture. I try to continue to give the coaches what they need to go out and, uh, you know, bring in the best student athletes we can, coach them up really hard, and uh, give them all the resources to be able to do that so our players can reach to their highest level. Um, how important do you think was for the program the recent announcement about the NIL group? Oh, it's great. Yeah, it was awesome. I think President Benson and Amanda and Tom and Matt Hogue and, and we all put our heads together and said, what do we, what do we need? Like, What's going to be something that we can bring in a national brand with a name that's going to be able to let people know that we're moving this in the right direction. We're being aggressive with it. Obviously, I was up yesterday in the state capitol talking to them about the NIL and, you know, uh, the bill that we're, we, we've, that's been proposed being more aggressive and allowing universities to have a little more control, a little more input and, and to be able to mentor and help and teach the young people in your programs about it and how to manage it. Um, and hopefully, hopefully that continues to go well. So I think the state sees it. I think the university levels are seeing it, um, but I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be a great thing for coastal. All right, there you go. Coach uh, Tim Beck from coastal Carolina after signing up the, what was left out there for his recruiting class and looking forward to his spring practice and, and then on into the summer and then into the fall we go. All right, the break is coming up. We'll come back with recruiting after that. Then birdies, bogeys, biceps. Around South Carolina, George Bryan will join us, and we have a special guest with George tonight as well from the golf world. So we got a great segment coming up in golf, and we'll check what's going on in Phoenix as well. 
Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. Hi, this is Lisa Hosteller-Brown. Do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. All right, time for the recruiting report tonight here on Sports Talk. It is brought to you by Seawells. Hope you got a chance to get by there today. It's a roast beef Friday at Seawells. And if you didn't make it this Friday, make plans to make it next Friday. Make plans to get by for their daily luncheon buffet every day next week from 11 till 2. And when you need the best in catering for that special event, simply call the good folks at Seawells, 803 771 7385 online at com. An update on quarterback Ryan Montgomery from Finley, Ohio. He is South Carolina's lone quarterback target in the 25 class. He recently took a visit to Florida to wrap up his visits after going to South Carolina and Georgia. Talked to his father last night, who was with him on all the trips. The mom went with him as well on the trip to Columbia and the trip to uh Athens, and the trip to Gainesville. Those are the three schools he's focused on right now. And Mike Montgomery told us they rolled out the old uh, red carpet, pulled out all the stops in Gainesville, called it a wonderful trip. His wife's first trip there called it similar to South Carolina. She wanted to see facilities, campus, first-year living arrangement, academic community, kind of like an official visit for them. They were there about eight hours. They were very impressed with what Georgia had to say and got the feeling like South Carolina that Georgia is making Ryan Montgomery their priority at quarterback in the 2025 class. So now 
He's in basketball for a couple of weeks. Then they're going to decide, okay, are we done? Are you ready to make a decision from those three? Or do you need to make some other visits in the spring or maybe even official visits in the summer? That's what they're going to decide next. That is still to be determined. And we talked with Mike Montgomery about NIL and the fact that Carson Beck at Georgia just announced that he, he purchased a Lamborghini valued at over 250 And Montgomery acknowledged that, yep, they were aware of that. He said that, yep, NIL is in their minds, and all they're looking for, as he put it, is market value. He said, I wouldn't call it a top priority, but it's a priority because it's some potential great money for a student athlete to capitalize on. And so, yeah, they're looking for that investment in their son. And again, market value, whatever that happens to be, for his son, and he said so far everybody's been fair when talking to him about the NIL market for his son. All right, defensive lineman Christian Garrett of Bogart, Georgia, has set official visits to Clemson, May 31st, Georgia, June 7th. Clemson target, safety, D.J. Pickett, he named a top five today. Georgia, Michigan, Miami, LSU, Oregon. So a miss by Clemson there. 2026 offensive tackle Desmond Green of Timberland was offered by Oregon. Sumter linebacker Antoine Bracey headed to Coffeyville Junior College, Kansas. Camden defensive back receiver Jordan Krim was offered by East Carolina. Sumter defensive end Anthony Addison was offered by Duke. There you go. Recruiting for tonight here on Sports Talk brought to you by Seawells. Be sure to check out the website over the weekend, sportstalksc.com on Twitter or on X, use the hashtag STRecruiting. All right, Chris, before we get to uh, golf, let's touch quickly on South Carolina Vanderbilt, Clemson, Syracuse, the Gamecocks. um, I think this team is mature enough not to overlook Vandy. Vandy's not a very good team. Gamecocks are going well. I think they realize that. I don't think they'll take their eye off the ball tomorrow. I don't think so, and I think, uh, you know, they've proven that they can handle different situations, and I think now being a odds-on favorite to win on Saturday and coming off a, a pretty good win against Ole Miss, though you would have liked it to have been a little bit easier than it was. I think they'll take care of business tomorrow and not o- overlook and look ahead because if you don't beat Vanderbilt, the game at Auburn loses a lot of its luster next week. You want to set that up where that game going into that, that atmosphere is a top-ten matchup, which it presumably could be if the Gamecocks beat Vanderbilt, and they should. I mean, Vanderbilt's won one SEC game at six overall. They're a mess. Gamecocks need to take care of business, and this one needs to be a blowout. They need to look good in doing so tomorrow. All right, let's go to Clemson and Syracuse. Tigers coming off that big win at North Carolina. Syracuse coming off a close win over Louisville, but you do wonder about you know playing in the JMA wireless dome up there and just that different feel. That and how does Joe Girard handle returning home? going back against his former school. And how does Clemson, just like South Carolina, how do you handle that big win against North Carolina? Can't afford to have a letdown at Syracuse. That's a team that, that Clemson is battling right down the mix in the middle of the ACC. They need to win this one. That's going to be a tough one on the road, but I think Clemson's mature enough, just like the Gamecocks, to pull this out. I'll be fascinated to watch, though, to see how Joe Girard plays against his former team. Well, they're good at home. Uh, Syracuse has won, as I look here, at least their last four at home, maybe five or six. They got a pretty good home winning streak going, so that could be a battle for the Tigers. Coming back to talk golf with George Bryan, number three. 
the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day But it went straight down the middle Like they said All right, it is time to talk about the great game of golf here in South Carolina and around the globe. Nobody better to do that than our main man on the number one tee box, George Bryan III. He was so good, they made three of him, GB1, GB2, and GB3. Welcome in, George. How are you? Oh, better not observe, and I hope you are. We're (laughs) We're doing great. I'm so pumped up about uh, the weekend of sports with basketball, the Super Bowl, the waste management. To you, that's the Super Bowl, the waste management. And look, George, before we get into the guest and everything, we know how you love to pump up the local guys. Look who is leading the leaderboard. I think it's the first time we've ever seen him atop a leaderboard in a PGA event. It's Andrew Novak who goes 65-65, and he is at 12 under par. So, you know what? We got a little bit of local flavor going out there in um, in the desert. Uh, he is a uh, Wofford grad, a native of Raleigh, been on the tour since 2017. Uh, he's never won. Um, he's had two top tens, and now he's going to, probably have the lead at the halfway point of this thing. Oh, saw, I just saw the interview he did, post-round interview, and, oh, it was golden. And although I don't know him very well, I've watched him play, and he is fun to watch. He's one of those that uh, uh, you can see he has fun playing, and he's got a great personality. And, and hopefully he just – this is the start, and he keeps it going right on. Hey, I got to tell you, I saw – one of the – it's definitely a top five most beautiful range shank that I've ever seen, and he made it, and it was loud, long, and high in Bermuda. So you're, this range is downhill, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't just the beautiful shank, but how he reacted. Uh, the minute he hit it, he held his follow through like it was a great shot. <laughs> so he knew. You know, like nothing was wrong, and this yeah. one was uh, – the highest flare right so far over the net right it wasn't even and then the wind took it further and and he really uh he enjoyed that shot anyway uh so he he's a delightful personality and i watched him just line up a go through his whole routine on the last on the last hole he putted in a six incher mm. went through his entire routine which that's i love to see it i just love it and then we got, i think kevin kisner's on the call so we got some local, uh, some local support. If he keeps playing well, I'm sure kids will bring it to the forefront. Well, let me update the leaderboard. So you got Andrew, and now Nick Taylor has just tied him. Uh, Taylor, who went low yesterday, 60. That just jumps out when you look at the score scoreboard and you see a 60. I mean, it just reaches out and grabs you. So he's 12 under. He's still on the course. He's about to play 18, so he just tied him. Maverick McNeely, 67, he's in at 10 under. Scotty Scheffler is playing his last hole. He's at 8 under. Justin Thomas 
has two holes to go, and he is eight under. And then checking some others from our area or of note that we like to uh, follow, Jordan Spieth is at three under, and his round, you know, everything's been pushed back because of the weather, so he has not teed off yet. Uh, he's about to. Uh, Matt Neesmith is two under overall. He is on the course. Carson Young is one under. He's on the course. Ben Martin is even. He's on the course. So we still have some guys to tee off, or some guys are early in their rounds because of the weather out there, the rain, all that stuff in California moving east has moved over uh, the desert there, Phoenix, Scottsdale, and and uh, slowed things down. But I saw a video, George, from this morning. I don't know what time, local time, this was taken when they opened the gates there. But there was a video put out by the PGA Tour at the gates for number 16 where the 20,000-plus people were waiting. I don't know if all of them were waiting, but I bet you you had to be. It was like cutting loose a bunch of thoroughbreds in an open field. Uh, They counted it down, and they opened the gates, and these thousands of people went running through to get position in that stadium uh, setting there on number 16. It's a wild scene. (laughs) I have not had the experience. I have... A little bit like uh, what you're speaking of. I watched it from the side, and then I've, I've spoken directly with players who have described it, and nothing quite like it. I do think, and uh, I did speak a little bit. Uh, George and Wesley were out last week, and they did play the golf course. Now both, uh, well, Wesley tried to qualify for that, missed it, and Wesley has played there a couple of times, and. He said nothing quite like it, mm. and I would love to experience such. And hey, speaking of love of the game, and uh, you mentioned sixty. Uh, we had somebody shoot sixty. Well, Wyndham Clark shoot sixty at Pebble Beach last week, and and there's a little, uh, not really an atrix, but that's a course record. But he played the ball up, so that means they lift. They clean the ball, and some have different ideas that that should be an official course record. Hmm. Speaking of some, we got special guest tonight, and I'm confident that you previewed uh, the night, the 2023 South Carolina State Amateur Men's Player of the Year. He's repeating, and let's get Sam Jackson. Let's get him on the tee and welcome him in to see what he's got to say about that number 16 at, out there in uh, the stadium course, Phoenix. So, hey, welcome in, Sam Jackson. How you doing? I'm good, guys. How are y'all doing tonight? Welcome, Sam. Thank you. So, so uh, Sam, have you had the chance to experience that hole in Phoenix? I have not. The closest thing I've come to that, probably, you know, playing with the Friday group at Lexington when they've got five, <laughs> six beers in them, and that's probably the closest I've come to a uh, situation like that. That's great. <laughs> Hey, so Sam Jackson, Peelian High School graduate, Presbyterian College graduate. I think Sam's mixed it up with Andrew Novak. He might have a little bit to to comment on his game. And Sam, what do you uh, – and congratulations, 2022-2023, South Carolina Golf Association Amateur Player of the Year. Thank you. What do you think? 
Yeah, I um, I've actually <clears throat> played with Andrew. It's funny you guys are talking about him, and uh, it's gr- great to see him, you know, in contention. Obviously, this week. Uh, yeah, I played with him. First time I ever played with him was my senior year at Fillion during the state championship. And then he went to Wofford. He was, I think, two or three years behind me when I was at PC. So, but we see Wofford in almost all of our events. So I got to, I got paired with him a handful of times in college as well. And it's, you know, he was good back in junior golf and a good player in college. But obviously, nothing like he's become now. He's, you know, he's put in a lot of hard work, and it's obviously definitely showing off, especially with the, like you were kind of rattling off the leaderboard a little while ago, especially with this stacked leaderboard we got at the top this week. Yeah, so Sam, when uh, when you played with him in college, was he as uh, as solid, uh, big a man, and as long as he is now? Yeah, I mean he he I honestly don't think he's grown any since uh since probably high school or college. I mean he was a I mean I wasn't very big in high school or in college, but uh he was a big old boy back then, so um you know he can move it out there pretty good. He's got kind of a you know a funny way he kind of delivers the club into the ball, but he repeats it every single time, and he hits it in the center of the face every time, and, you know, that's a tough formula to beat. He appears to have quite a bit of fun playing the game, and uh, anything anything stand out, Sam, any times that you play? Do you have any predictions how he's going to do this weekend? I think he'll handle it well just because he, you know, for the most part he's a pretty light, light-hearted guy. You know, he doesn't – he's not one that takes everything <laughs> – too seriously so I mean you know obviously being the first time up in a position like this you never really know how guys are going to go because I mean you know everybody on this level is obviously really good you can hit the ball well make putts it you know comes down more of kind of what you got mentally and inside so but uh he's definitely got the right um the right tools to get it done you know if not this week I'm sure sometime soon well uh, let's focus a little bit on your 2023 season. Talk about what it felt like to repeat and the whole year. Some highlights. It was it was really cool. Um, I was actually able to win this year more than I have any other year. I was able to win four times. A um, couple of those would help for some partners in some four-ball events, but um, I was able to win the Carolinas Mid-Amateur. Um, Got an extension at the U.S. Mid-Am, finished, well, lost in the semifinals there, which is a really cool experience. Um, so it was definitely good to build off of what was a, you know, I'll call a, a, a solid 2022, um, you know, and get a little better in 2023. Still left, a, still left a couple of tournaments out there, though. I feel like there was two others that, you know, really were kind of mine for the taking and I kind of let get away. So hoping to get a little better and correct that kind of stuff in 2024. And so, what what are some of what are you targeting in 2024, Sam? I start off actually in a couple of weeks down in Tampa at the Gasparilla, um, the national mid-am event, kind of the start of a lot of mid-am seasons. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be the first time I've gone down there and played. Um, I've heard nothing but really good things about the golf course, about the tournament, and everything else. So I'm I'm pretty pumped to get down there for that one. Um, and then a lot of the same ones after that that I played last year, uh, you know, Azalea and Charleston, um, play Carolina's Mid-Am again, Carolina's Amateur, Palmetto Amateur, um, back in the U.S. Mid-Am later in the fall. Um, so a lot of similar events that I played last year, just, you know, hoping to build some good momentum early in the year and uh, carry it over to, um, 
you know, hopefully to a good, consistent season. We talked a little bit back in the fall. You were one match away from getting to the finals in the Mid-Am. And, hey, Phil, the Mid-Am champion plays at Augusta. He mm. gets mm. – that champion gets into the field. And talk a little bit about that edge, Sam, and how that heart felt and and uh, what what's your – what's your mind, what you were going through? Yeah, it's a different environment. Um, that semifinal match is definitely the most people I've ever played in front of. There was probably 50, 60 people walking around with us all day. Um, I didn't really think a whole lot about the actual Masters until I lost, to be honest with you. I had, I did have a Golf Channel reporter ask me about it after I won in the quarterfinals. Um, and I told him then I hadn't really thought anything about it. Um, and then I had another one ask me right after I lost, about 30 seconds later, how I felt to be that close. And in the moment, you know, I probably didn't really care much, too much of the question. Um, but, you know, it was, uh, it, it was cool to get in that environment. And, you know, I was able to see Stuart Hagestad for four hours. He's, you know, established himself by far as the best mid amateur in the world the last five, six, seven years. Um, so to be able to go toe to toe with him and, you know, essentially be one shot away from being able to beat him was, was pretty cool. Hey, uh, you have had that that privilege of playing best in the world, both amateurs and pros. You've played around Palmetto. We got some of the – a lot of folks don't realize it. Uh, right here in South Carolina, we have uh, a nice little collection of the best juniors, collegiate players, uh, amateurs, mid-amateurs, even senior amateurs and pros. Talk a little bit about some of the differences uh, – Sam, in your opinion, of the good amateurs and the and the professionals. I mean, we got Kisner, Neesmith, Scott Brown, R- Rowinski down in Aiken, along with numerous others. Speak on that topic for a bit. I think the main difference is kind of what I spoke about a little while ago with Novak. Um, I think at that level, it all becomes kind of what you got up top and what kind of guts you have. Because, you know, I've been fortunate enough to play, like, I mean, George knows. I've played with Wesley and George a good bit over the years. Um, I've played with Kisner a handful of times out at Palmetto. Um, you know, not really – you know, those guys don't necessarily hit it way better than some of the best AMs that I've been around. But, you know, when it comes time to to make a putt or to hit a quality shot or to know where, where to miss it and where not to miss it, you know, that's, I think, kind of what separates, um, you know, guys like – you know, Wesley and Kisner that have won on the PGA Tour versus, you know, just other really good amateurs is, you know, they they know their game really well and, you know, they're not going to put themselves in a position when it matters that, you know, they can't, don't feel like they can make par or something from. So I, I really, I've dived a lot into the mental side of the game the last couple of years and I just, I just think there's a, that's where the main difference comes into play. Because, I mean, I've hit it, I've played with some amateurs and some events the last few years that hit it better, honestly, than some of the tour pros that I've played with. Um, but, you know, they don't manage their game around the golf course quite as well. They don't think quite as well. And, you know, when you add up four and a half hours of golf, you know, that can sometimes add up to two, three, four shots around the golf course. Yeah, and this is, uh, I'll say this, it's, it's basically my go-to and what I've noticed and, it has been a privilege to see as much of the best uh, over the last seven or eight years. Uh, considering prior to that, I was seeing them periodically, but the idea when that light's on, the flag's up, and it's time, 
there is a fine line. Those who can and do and those that are close. And close, it's a beautiful thing to be close. But close just ain't it. Mm. And somebody like, and I'm going to throw names out with no, I don't mean to, I, you know, we always get a little bit in trouble comparisons, but somebody like Kevin Kisner and Will McGirt, uh and Scott Brown, you go out there and play golf with those guys, you would have no idea that they would be on the same level as some of the – and I'm not I'm not knocking uh, these guys, but you go watch the number one player at about every school, college player, and you think, well, there's no way these three guys could play with the Bombers in college or the Amateurs. Uh, you know, that's flush. But now you get the scorecard, the pencil – get them in tough situation, and quite frankly, it could be as much as, especially in situation, five, six shots around different, Sam. It just, it's a goofy game. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know that there is a game more where close means the difference in playing the PGA Tour week in and week out and working a nine-to-five job. Um, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's, you know, one shot we've seen over the years, we've seen all kinds of stories at, like, Q School where, you know, guys miss out by one shot because of something crazy that happened or something like that. Um, and it's just – it's wild to to really think about how, you know, close sometimes. I also think it's a really good testament to the amateur game and kind of where it's at right now. I mean, you know, you're seeing guys like Nick Dunlap come straight from amateur golf, first tour start wins. Uh, Caleb Surratt was an amateur a month ago. Goes to Maya Cobra last week on the live and plays really well. Uh, I think he shot five under in the final round last week. Um, you know, it's, it's it's crazy how good some of these amateurs are and going straight into the pros and, and not just making cuts, which I feel like, you know, 10, 12 years ago, just making the cut as an amateur was a really good feat. And nowadays you're seeing guys get out there and contending to win golf tournaments, which is really cool to see. Yeah, I love it. Sam, what do you like best about golf? What's your favorite thing? You just can answer one thing, mm-hmm. Sam. I just like I like I like feeling the the heat and competition coming down the line, on the back nine, and that's probably not something that I would have said when I was in high school. Um, I feel like a lot of times I kind of shied away from that. Looking back at it now, um, but I mean, there's nothing more that I love than to be either in the lead or within a couple shots, having a chance to win, coming down, standing on ten tee with nine holes playing a golf tournament. I mean, it's just a it's an unbelievable it's an addicting feeling. I know that feeling too, Sam. I love it. All right, what do you love most? What Phil? What do you like? What do you love most about this game of golf? One thing: putting out on eighteen, <laughs> getting it over with. <laughs> That's what I like. The handshake, the handshake at the flagstick. Hey, Sam. I got one more. We uh, talked this past week. Wyndham Clark wins in a rain shortened event and by the way i think that just 54 holes i was really looking forward to seeing how that would finish up but he shot 60 in his third round which was the final round playing it up that means you could touch your ball in the fairway do you have any comment on on whether that uh should be an official course record or not i mean there in this world of opinion i'm curious about yours well, first of all, I need to give a quick shout-out to Chris Harris listening down in Charleston. He's been blowing me up since I've been on this call. So, Chris, <laughs> hope you're well, buddy. Um, 
You're all over uh, the state, man. You're all over the state. I'm telling you, man. Um, I don't know. I saw a lot of back and forth about that last week when it happened. Um, you know, I kind of get, I get the whole, you know, playing it up, not an official record. And, it, you know, if you're playing a tournament, I probably would lean toward that crowd of, because, you know, true golf isn't, true golf necessarily isn't, you know, meant to be played in hand. Um, especially competitive golf. Um, but at the same time, I'll tell, I'll tell y'all exactly what I told one of my buddies the other day. You know, if, if I shot 60 at Pebble Beach and AT&T and they gave me a signed flag at the end of the round, I surely wouldn't send the damn thing back. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey, I like that, Sam. Now, you mentioned a shout-out. Well, I'll tell you right, we got Randolph. He knows where he is. He's down at the Pelican. But it's a cool thing. Randolph's listening online. And streaming, that's what he said, streaming. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we got the Lady Gamecocks ranked number one in the country. At least that's, what I, that's the last ranking that I saw. And saw the uh, in other college golf in this event that I'm not familiar with. But uh, USC men's, it's an individual event. And, Phil, I'm sure you've probably already talked about it. But it's the uh, – uh, Ray, uh, well, Nathan Franks and Rafe Reynolds, USC Gamecocks, finished first and second at the Thomas Sharkey Individual Collegiate. So, not not that familiar with that event, but mm-hmm. um, hey, congratulations to these players. Sam, are you familiar with that event? I'm not, but I'm really familiar with the South Carolina golf program, and if they're playing an event, it's probably not a, a slack one. So, um Rafe was actually Rafe about he talked about coming close. He lost by a shot last year at our state amateur. I actually played with Rafe uh, the first two rounds at I forgot what event I played with him at now um, a year or two ago. But let, obviously another that, really state amateur and you know. Let me mention. Let me mention this too, guys. You might recognize some of these folks because the end of January they had the. 28th annual Tournament of Champions from the SCGA. Jacques Wilson of Charleston finished with the final round 68 to capture the men's club championship, even par 144. Senior men's club championship, Rich Weston, Pauly's Island. Final round 74, total of 143. Ladies division, Carrie Rutan from Daniel Island. Uh, Final round 74, total of 149. Chris E.C., Simpsonville, uh, one-day gross division, final round 76, tournament total 147, and the senior one-day gross division won by Thomas Kennedy of Aiken, final round 68, and tournament total 8 under 136. They were playing at TPC Myrtle Beach over in Merle's Inlet. George, uh, Sam, you know any of those folks? I know a lot of those guys. I can I compete with a lot of those guys all year long in SC. GA events, so I've played with a lot of those guys and recognized a lot of those names. Hey, well, it's, uh, I tell you what, time flies here, and Sam, I know you're taking good care of yourself, and you are somewhat familiar with the sponsor of this program, the Tsunami Bar, and when I was, when I talked to you last, you had one in your bag. Tell us a little bit about it as we head in to putt out on this last hole. Hmm. 
it's been in the bag for about two years now. I put it in um, right before the 2022 season, mainly for just like stretching before a round. I actually spend, I usually spend about as much time stretching before I hit balls and I do actually hitting balls for a round now. Um, I'm not, that, that's about, that about encompasses my workouts. However many tournament rounds I play during the year, that's how many workouts, five minute workouts <laughs> I get in. Hey, um, hey, we talking, to, we talking about, it's working for you, Sam, and, we got less than 30 seconds. It's been a privilege and a pleasure having you on tonight. And congratulations, 2023, and get it right in 2024. We'll have you back on again. And and so, uh, Phil and Sam, until next week, TM high and shoot them low. Thank you, George. Thank, Thank you, you Sam. Thank you, Chris. Yes, Thank sir. Thank you, Josh. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you Monday.